In the sight of our ancestors, God has worked marvels. He made streams come out of the rock. Therefore, let us come before him with praise. Warm welcome to this service of word and prayer. We are happy to be here today, and we pray that the Lord will bless this meeting, renewing our faith and joy and our determination to follow Christ. Our opening hymn is number 103, Fill Your Hearts with Joy and Gladness.
Bible reading. Our first Bible reading of today is taken from the book of Exodus, verses 1 till 7. Water from the rock. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us, to, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I, do, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answers Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So, we will now continue by praising the Lord from CH4641. Seek ye first the kingdom of God.
The Gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 21. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do those things. Did the baptism of John came from heaven, or was it from human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowds, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The parable of the two sons. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two will do the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. The tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. During one of our holidays, in Italy to be precise, we missed our plane going home, but our suitcases were already on the plane. They managed to unload them before the plane departed, but retrieving them cost so much time and effort that we also missed the next plane. And we ended up staying two whole days extra in a rather boring place near the Milan airport. So travels are known for their unpleasant surprises and are not always as relaxing as we like to think. I feel for those who were caught off guard by closing borders and other restrictions due to the corona risks, especially those who had to go into quarantine, those on board of large ships and already vulnerable refugees. The journey of Israel to the Promised Land can also be seen as a series of setbacks. As such, it's a powerful symbol of what we can experience in our lives. Even if we think we escaped from a dire situation, it doesn't mean our dreams will then immediately come true. There are so many detours and tests on the way, usually, in most of our lives, And some goals may only be achieved in another generation or when a new heaven and a new earth will emerge, as foretold in the Bible. So how can we deal with all these disappointments and tests? 
One way is learning from the past, from past experiences, and those already recorded in the Bible. I believe the Exodus story was written for us to reflect on a number of situations which are universal. Paul says it in the first letter to the Corinthians, these things happened to them by way of example. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages are come. The first thing to note is that it is important to have a vision. Moses was a prophet, not a king. And his encounters with God had given him such a vision and hope for the future. Initially, he had been afraid to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. But that changed when he realized that God was in charge and he was just an instrument. But when people don't share that confidence, it's easy to become critical and jealous. Jealous because you would like to be free of fear as well, like your prophet, but you can't always attain to that. Why are people not afraid of the same things I am afraid of? I may wonder. And the more jealous we are, the louder we will accuse those who remain calm, those who have a certain peace about them. We'll accuse them of being irresponsible so as not to have to confront our own jealousy and our own not always justifiable fears. Most politicians will also call someone irresponsible when they just disagree. They often prefer it when we are afraid, for then we can be manipulated. The story doesn't make it clear whether it was a majority or a minority that rebelled against Moses. But the result was the same. Apparently, most people didn't mind a bit of pressure on that Moses guy. For although they had already witnessed a number of miracles, they didn't grasp their true significance. Maybe they didn't see their connection to the God of their forefathers, of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. My impression is actually that they were more thinking in terms of a God of Moses, a God controlled by Moses in the way that the Egyptian priests tried to control the Egyptian gods. And that probably led them to believe that the miracles they had seen were a series of tricks rather than signs of God's goodness toward them. That would explain why they complained again so soon after the first time they had ran out of water and had miraculously received fresh water. That was only a few weeks before, as described in chapter 15, God had changed bitter water into drinkable water. And this was at a place called Mara. So they probably thought, why doesn't Moses press that magical button again? They obviously didn't share Moses' vision that God would provide. Moses' authority had lasted only as long as he appeared to provide technical solutions to immediate problems. His prophetic role to give people hope for the future was not recognized. 
And what they wanted was action, not hope. Doesn't that sound familiar? What most people want today from their governments and institutions, as well as from their spiritual leaders, is immediate relief from incidents, from certain material problems. When a virus is going around, we demand safety. When prices go up, we want loans. When crops fail, we want insecticides. When a neighboring country has a dictator, we want sanctions and war. When fossil fuel becomes a problem, we want another source of energy, but we won't use less. When we are confused, we want an explanation. Not just any explanation, but an explanation from an expert. And a pastor should be able to tell us why something bad happened. Moses made it clear to the Israelites that they were, in fact, by doing this, challenging God. Could it be that we are sometimes challenging God by insisting on technological and magical solutions? Is it not a kind of pride to think that we can live forever by inventing a sufficient number of vaccines? And are we sure that would not cause other problems especially if it involves modified DNA. Back to the Israelites. They were fleeing from slavery in Egypt, but they had almost sacrificed their newly found freedom. That loss of ideology should have worried them and scared them more than some temporary discomfort. Today this is at least as important if we are only worried about our short-term safety and we are prepared to sacrifice everything for it, that sacrifice may end up much larger than we intended because we lost sight of other things that are very important and the fact that everything is connected. So it remains crucial that both governments and civilians and we as well have a vision, a vision that goes beyond our present material needs and physical health. And as a church, we need to hold on to our prophetic voice. In the Gospel reading for today, we find the same two contrasting approaches. Should we focus on maintaining law and order, find safety in standard solutions of the experts of the day, like the rabbis in the time of Jesus. They were the experts then. They had an answer to everything, everything that might come up, but they were blind to the harmful effects of this over-regulation. Or do we dare to follow this radical person, Jesus, who had few, if any, credentials, but had far more common sense, and above all, a vision for a world not based on fear and compulsion, but love and trust. His lack of fear must have infuriated some people, just as had been the case with Moses. But he was looking at our deeper needs. In the parable of the two sons, that was the last part of the gospel which I read, this becomes even clearer 
because there Jesus expects the same more responsible attitude from us. Son number one in the parable at first refuses to do as his father asks. But it doesn't matter because in the end he does the right thing. In other words, in the long term, responsibility is more important than blind submission. The right thing doesn't always look polished, doesn't always look nice from the outside. It's the other, more legalistic son who fails the test. He agrees with the authorities, with his father, and perhaps likes to lecture people from a moral high ground about sticking to the rules. But he doesn't necessarily mind if people die from loneliness, malnutrition, poverty, or familiar diseases. Hiding under that thin veneer of social and political correctness often lurks a surprising indifference to the welfare of others. The more difficult work and the longer-term goals have snowed under. And the popular mantras he has adopted may not even work. You will realize that, uh, just like in the parable, I've painted a rather black and white picture. Reality is, of course, much more complicated. As long as we remember that we cannot solve problems one by one, as if they are unconnected. We have been singing, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. And that is so true, because most of our problems stem from a lack of justice and a lack of love. It was Christ who said, Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Even trying to save the lives of others will not work if it doesn't stem from genuine concern about all aspects of life. It cannot consist only of things we don't do and of blaming each other. So let's practice the principles of the kingdom of God and help the world to discover them as well. Again, the rest will follow. So when there's a problem, let's not ask like the quarreling Israelites, is the Lord among us or not? Know that he is among us. When we keep our eyes upon Jesus, the way Moses faced God as he struck the rock from which life-giving waters then flowed. Amen. Our next hymn assumes that we've made a promise to Jesus. But if we have not, it's never too late, of course. Or perhaps we want to renew that promise. Hymn number 644.
I want to invite somebody. Please. I want, please, somebody to say something. Yes, brother. I know you will say something. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to our God. Give thanks to our Lord. He's the God of wonder. Thank you, brother. Good morning, everyone. Um, I don't know. I just have this feeling um, maybe somehow I would like to share uh, my journey. Um, I think some of uh, my friends here knows that how I end up here in the Netherlands, become a refugee back in 2016. When, um, and then during that period, I was really poor. Uh, soul and uh, financially uh, I was still not a Christian I was born a Muslim and I'm still finding a way and then I just recently found God and um, so I watch lots of YouTube uh, videos knowing about God and Christianity and you know life is very hard I remember I watched one of the video, YouTube video, and at the end of the video saying that we are a non-profit organization and we welcome any kind of donation. To be honest, I only have 10 euros. That's my very last money ever in my pocket. Uh, it was in my PayPal account anyway. And at the same time, okay, anyway, I, at the same time, I did a lot of, uh, uh, freelance work online, you know, using Fiverr and Upwork. So I said, I only have my last 10 euros, but I really feel that I want to give because I really enjoy the video so much. And I did. I, I transferred 10 euros, my last 10 euros to this PayPal account. And guess what? Not even five minutes after that, I got a job. I got a freelance job, a voiceover job, and then it was 20 euros. So, and another story, I was here um, attending one of the services back in 2017, if I can remember. Um, the minister says about, um, again, about giving, and I have my train ticket. I used to live in Rosendale, so I have my return tickets already. But I have my last coins ever in, in my pocket. That's my last. And I give it all, and not long after that, I receive another job worth 20 euros i mean like i mean it's not it's not that much but that's how i see god's works in me in my journey to find god so i thank you all the family member who always support me here yeah thank you brother Thank you, Asmi. Thank you. That's God. He's wonderful. He's mysterious in His act. He's very, He's miracle. Thank you. Thank you.
for those who forgot to drop their envelope on their way in, can do that on their way out. Let us pray. In everything, O oh God, we bring thanks to you. In our darkness and questioning, in our relief and rejoicing. Giver of life and source of freedom. We know that all we have received is from your hand. For all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above, so we lift our hearts up to you in praise and thanksgiving. We give you thanks, gracious Father, for all the free gifts of nature, for all the good things the earth produces. By your provision, we are all clothed and fed. Father, care for those who are in need, those who are in difficulties, and help us to always use your gift wisely and to share them generously. Teach us when we pray that it is not by bread alone that we live, and grant us evermore to feed on him who is the true bread of heaven. We thank you, O Lord, for the use of our senses and for our intellect and thoughts. Make us good stewards of our ability that we might bring glory to your name every day. May we be conscious of your presence as we travel through this journey of life. Come our fears, O Lord, and restore our souls. Gracious God, accept these gifts and with them our lives to be used in your service. We pray that you would use them to do things in the world, just as you have done things, great things within us. In this season and all year long, give us a gift of thankful heart, so that we may acknowledge you as a giver of all that is good in our lives. May the grace, peace, and love of God protect, defend, and empower us to run with patience the race marked out for us now and forevermore. Amen. Let us now go to our intercessory prayers. Let us pray. In peace, let us pray to Jesus our Lord, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Savior of the world, we give thanks for the riches of this earth, for good crops, clean water and air, and all good things this world has to offer. Be present, though, in all places of suffering, violence, poverty, and pain. Bring hope even in the darkest night. Inspire us to continue your work of reconciliation and harvest in this age. Lord of the Church, empowered by your Spirit, all Christian people, but especially this congregation here in Rotterdam, give us grace to proclaim the Gospel joyfully in word and deed. Shepherd and guardian of our souls, 
guide and enable all who lead and serve this church and this community and those on whom we depend for our daily needs. Grant that we may seek the peace and welfare of this city and of our planet. Great physicians, stretch out your hand to bring comfort, wholeness and peace to all who suffer in body, mind or spirit. Fill us with compassion that we may be channels of your healing love. Conqueror of death, remember for good those who we love but see no longer. Help us to live this day in the sure and certain hope of your eternal victory. Let us commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Amen. As is suitable for Harvest Festival, we sing We Plow the Fields and Scatter, hymn number 229.
Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right side, Christ on my left side, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in the mouth of a friend and a stranger. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always.